Sauber nice word on Pashas was Hanan. The word is brought in the cipher Sea of Safikoidish. He brings from the Tzadik Rabbi Hida Wolf Oroner. That's how. He said, Bederich Tzaches. The Pusik says, Migoi Gudel Ashloi Elekim Kroiv Mailov. Where is there another nation like that that has Hashem, that has their God being so close to them? So he gives a mushal. He says, If somebody has, for example, a Kurif, he has a relative, and he wants him to help him out, he's, uh, he's alone, he needs some help with something, so he can go to him once, twice, uh, three times. But after asking for too many favors, you know, how many times can you ask someone for help? So what happens? He goes to the next relative. Right? You don't only have one brother, one sibling, one cousin, one neighbor. You have the next person. And slowly, when a person needs more help, he goes, he uses other people's help because he knows you can't keep on using the same person again and again. And that's how, we get, that's how people get around, by having a few people to go to. Um, so he said, but Hashem, Hashem is not like a person who you ask him once or twice, three times, and Hashem gets tired of you. No, Hashem is, for each person, like many kroivim. Hashem is like many relatives. As, as much as you can have from having a lot of relatives, that's what you can have just from Hashem alone, and much more, obviously. Because Hashem is always ready to help everyone. He says, Hashem is not only like one relative, like multiple relatives. And you can keep it going back to Hashem. For whatever you need. And, and this is something that this forum talk about when it comes to, for example, asking Mechila from Hashem. Right? We say it every day, three times a day. You keep on asking someone to forgive you. There's only so many times you can ask someone to forgive you. After a couple of times, it gets harder. And even when they do forgive you, but it's not the same as the, you know, the first time, as the seventh, or the hundredth, or the thousandth. But Hashem, it's all the same. As many times as you ask Hashem to be moichul, that's how many times will be moichul you. Hashem is very unique, and that's what Hashem is about. Hashem, we can't, we can't compare anything to our understanding, or lack of understanding of Hashem. Which is interesting, because even though we do tend to use our terms and our um, ideas to categorize what I at least understand, or some kind of um, understanding of Hashem's Rahmanus, for example, Krachmavabunim. We say Hashem has Rahmanus on us, you know, like a, like a father to a child, for example. Right? But it's obviously not the same. It's just the, the most we could think of is Hashem being, you know, uh, like, like a father to a child. Well, what's more than that? But obviously, there, it's so much more than that. And the reason why I'm pointing this out is because very often we tend to expect of people close to us a certain amount of understanding, a certain amount of love, of care, of concern. And it's important to remember that nobody's infinite. Everybody has their limits. Some, some shorter limits, some bigger limits, but everyone has their limits. Only Hashem is the Kroivim I love who you can keep on going to. Only Hashem is someone who will always love you and always accept you and always be there for you and never... But when it comes to people, we're all limited. Some people are limited, which means when you ask them for the hundredth favor that day, they'll, they'll plot and they won't do it. Some people are limited on the second one already. And some on the first. I'm not saying this to justify people who are limited. And I'm also not saying it to look down at people who are too limited. Somebody mentioned uh, recently something that I said in the class. It sounds like you're saying that when people have limitations, there's something wrong with them. They're limited, they're handicapped, there's you know, deficiencies. And the answer is no. Everyone has their limitation. It doesn't justify their limitation and doesn't mean they're bad because they have limitations. It means that you have to be aware and you have to be conscious of the fact that the person you're dealing with has a lower tolerance level than you would want, or maybe lower than you, or maybe lower than they should. But we have to understand that we're all finite beings and we're all very limited. And we tend to tolerate our own limitations a lot faster than we tolerate other people's, but sometimes we just have to be mindful and accept the fact that the person you're dealing with might just not be able to accommodate you in certain ways, might just be, might just be too limited to really do what they're supposed to be doing, let's call it. So that's just something to think about and be mindful and, and remember.
we should work on ourselves, not our own limitations. Like I said, I'm not justifying limitations. Any, anywhere where a person feels that they should be flexing their emotional muscles more and tolerate more and, and, and be nicer and go beyond their limits, by all means, that's what we're here for. But to try to do that to someone else instead of just accepting the fact that it might be very hard for that person and, and stop trying to change them or fix them because it's not going to help you anyway, that's something that definitely makes it easier sometimes to tolerate another person's um, 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 limitations. So let me read a question here somebody sent in a while back. I'm an avid listener and fan of your weekly shurim and look forward to hearing your wisdom, clarity, and understanding each week. Thank you for your wonderful insights and changes you have helped create in my life. Okay, You're welcome and thank you for that. This past week, Parshas Meshputam, okay, it's going back a while, you addressed the topic of married children and their responsibility, if any, to help resolve conflict in their parents' marriage. This spoke very strongly to my siblings and I, and I will explain. I understood my role in addressing my parents, but still have some questions. Um, okay, I'll just mention that in reading this question and preparing for this class, I didn't look back at what I said in Parshas Meshputam, but whoever wants could go back and listen to what we spoke about then, how to address parents, and I'll talk about it a little more again. Um, based on what I'm hearing in this question. I am the oldest in my family, happily married, Baruch Hashem. We are quite a number of siblings, some married, some single. Throughout my childhood and adult life, my parents' marriage has suffered, putting it mildly. We grew up seeing and hearing things that no child should ever even have nightmares of. To clarify, there was a lot of name-calling, bad language, anger, manipulation, constant putting down of each other and others, and the occasional outburst falling short of severe physical aggression. Most of us went through life retreating to our rooms, ignoring the situation and pretending nothing ever happened. Now, as adults, we reach out to each other and to support systems for help that we need, but still not fully at ease and comfortable getting the needs addressed. Our spouses witness some of it and are fully supportive and sympathetic. Our parents have a great reputation, and outside from us, nobody would dream of the level of conflict that goes on on a daily basis. So I apologize for the lengthy background information, but it's all true and importantly relevant to my question, which is how do we deal? How do we heal? Sorry. How do we heal? How do we support each other? And most importantly, how can I help my single siblings, one who is quite young, who still face this on a daily basis? I would appreciate if you could reply or respond in your share to this as soon as possible, since the situation has recently hit a peak and we are truly struggling. Thanks in advance for your understanding, and I especially benefit even from the therapeutic venting as I'm writing this. Okay, so one thing that I mention often is that, unfortunately, I apologize, but I'm so backed up with questions and emails. As you see, this was written past and uh, I'm just addressing it now. So if things were peaking then, I don't know where they're holding now. And I, I tell people you shouldn't rely on a question and answer and, and a sheer. And sometimes I try to answer in the email briefly. There's only so much that I could that I could get to. So let me say the following in response to this um, letter. The, the first thing, let's just let, let me just um, address the person writing the, writing this. The first thing is the self healing, right? Before we talk about your parents, before we talk about your siblings, what about you? Somebody who grew up in a home where there was a lot of fighting going around and a lot of negative feelings and challenges and watching a lot of this and, and running away from a lot of this, it's very real. It's very real. Feelings are real. Emotions are real. Traumatic experiences are real. Pain is real. These things are real. Sometimes we think, sometimes we hope, that in, 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 you know, in life you just move on and everything just falls away and you bury it, and you forget about it, and, 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 and you, you live happily ever after. And sometimes we hope it's that way. For some people, not many, but for some people it is that way. And for some smaller challenges or smaller um, you know, problems, it is that way. You move on, and you, just, and, and, and you tend to forget. 
But when it comes to bigger things in life and more difficult experiences and things that went on for longer or more intense or more sensitive, then, yeah, it doesn't just happen by itself. You don't forget things and they become part of you and they, they, they haunt you. And sometimes the only thing that you could do or you should do is, is focus on consciously healing. In other words, if you're going to do something to feel better, you're going to do something to get over pain, then very often you're doing the right thing. Because if you just wait for it to happen or think, and, and I hear this sometimes with people, it's fine, it's just going to, I'm just going to wait till it passes. I'm going to, I'm going to get older, I'll, I'll deal with it. And very often they don't realize you're not dealing with it. It's bottling up in you, and you're getting angry, and you're getting resentful. Just last week I was talking to somebody who was telling me how, for whatever reason, um, he doesn't feel comfortable reaching out to this person, that person, sibling, or family members, and it all bottles up, and he doesn't have who to share with, and he's going through a lot of difficulties, and, and it is what it is. But it's not, it is what it is, it's not okay. You're a mess. I told him, look at you, you're a mess. You're dealing with so much, you're walking around with suitcases of, of baggage and you don't know who to talk to, and it's, it's not a good. Either you'll find a friend, or a sibling, or pay someone who could listen to you and could hear you out, understand you, validate, um, make you feel good, give you advice, something. But very often people just push things down and, and it doesn't go anywhere. Now, smaller children that are going through such difficulties are, are not expected to know how to deal with these things. They're too young and they don't, they, they, they're suffering through it. And very often, there's only so much you can do for them, but to tell someone, you know, let's, let's go through some healing over here. Let's do something to make this better. What can he do? He doesn't understand that. But when, when you get older, you could definitely decide, you can make that conscious decision, where do you want to go with this? Do you want to, do you want to make this better? Do you want to get over it or not? And it's a conscious decision that, that people have to make and very often people, people don't make. And I'll tell you what I mean when I say people don't make. Sometimes people are willing to discuss it and talk to people about it but not with the mindset of, that's it, I'm, get, I'm, getting, I'm getting over this now. Tell me what it takes to get over this. Tell me what it takes to, to change the way I feel, or to get rid of these negative feelings, or to understand things differently, or to do things differently going forward. What, what's your motive? What are you looking for? And sometimes people just sit in the resentment and, and wallow in the pain and talk about it and, and a lot of other things. And it would be beautiful if, if, if it would slowly go away just by venting about it, but sometimes you just go dig deeper into it. You focus more on it, and you're harping on it. And you're having someone shake their head and say, wow, look what you went through. And sometimes that's not very therapeutic or helpful. I'm just, I'm just mentioning this because I see, I see this mistake that people make sometimes, and it's, it works against them. Like the saying goes, what resentment means swallowing the poison and hoping that somebody else dies. You know, somebody doesn't mean to you, and you're sitting in the pain, and you're eating it, and you're thinking about it, and you're harping on it, and it's not helping you because you're the one suffering more than the person who caused you pain. Now, once you make a decision that you're ready to heal and you want to heal and you want to get over this and you don't want to sit in it and you don't want to live with it, then find something that works for you. And for different people, different things work. For somebody, well, you mentioned that uh, you know, just writing this was therapeutic. For some people, journaling um, and writing down their feelings, being their own therapist, let's call it, sometimes it works. Sometimes you write it out and you spell it out and you say it out and you have that kind of... Uh, and, and, and yeah, you feel better afterwards and you don't feel that you have to write it every day because you know you wrote it already. Some kind of closure or some kind of therapy. For some people, you want to talk to someone about it, somebody who could hear you and tell you and understand you, and, and, and maybe that will close it. You know, Some people have different techniques they use. I've been helping people with EFT for a long time, emotional freedom technique. It's a, it's a self-help tool where you could release and let go of negative emotions if, you, if you're willing to and you want to get rid of them. There are a lot of things you could do. And you can go to a therapist and talk to someone who could help you with it, but the, the goal and the motive should be to get over it. And sometimes people feel like, I'm going to a therapist because I'm in pain. I'm going to a therapist because of my situation. I have, I have to have someone to talk to. Without realizing that 
if that if, if you didn't come to the conclusion that you want to get over it and be past it and have someone help you get rid of it and not just somebody somebody to hold your hand because you're in pain, very often it doesn't happen. I'm just I'm just mentioning it. There are people that just the more they sit in it, the more they talk to a therapist about it, the more they talk to anyone about it, they feel more justified, more validated, and, and, and more good about themselves because now they have what to hold on to and what to show for it and, and how to excuse themselves, and, and it's, 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 it's a problem. So with that said, let me mention another point of this healing idea, and that is that sometimes when you were hurt by somebody, or hurt because of somebody or through somebody or what somebody else was doing, it's very important to understand that as, as bad as that person may have been, let's call it, unintentional obviously, but as bad as what that person did was, or as much as they were wrong about it, it's their issue, not yours. And I know it's easy to say, but I want to explain what that means. If a parent hurt you, or a parent did something that hurt you, or, or anyone for that matter, it doesn't have to be a parent, and you understand that that person, similar to what I started off with, that part about the limitations, that person is limited for the, for the time being. The reason why my parents didn't get along is because they, they are limited. I'm not justifying what they're doing. It doesn't mean they were right about what they're doing. They're limited. They, they didn't know better. They, they don't have the tools to work with these things for whatever reason. They're too sensitive. They're not intelligent enough. They're not aware enough. They are limited. They're dealing with this um, in, in not a good way because they don't, know, they don't have a better way to deal with it. Isn't that sad? And you shift a lot of that negativity and resentment to some kind of pity or some kind of understanding and acceptance of, listen, this person has a problem. And even when that person doesn't need to hurt me, Directly, that person hurt me because he's limited and I feel bad for him. It's so, it's so sad to see somebody who doesn't have a better way to deal with things than to scream at me and to make me feel bad and, and abuse me or hurt my feelings. It doesn't mean that I feel better. It doesn't mean that the fact that I pity him now makes me feel calmer. It just, it just changes the, the focus and the anger and the resentment or whatever it is that I have against that person by understanding that it's their stuff, not mine. It's their stuff, not mine. And another thing, I'm happy that I'm not there anymore. When I was a child, I was living with a daily. I'm, I'm happy, I thank Hashem, I'm not there anymore. So understanding where they're coming from and what they did and seeing it in a different light and being thankful for the fact that you're not there anymore, it's, it's definitely something that could um, oftentimes just, just change the way you feel about it. Again, it's not magic, but it changes the perspective and you're not sitting it anymore and, and walking around with, that, uh, with the negative feelings that you're holding on to. Now, even when you're in a situation... Presently, not only when it's part of the past, it's still important to realize that when somebody hurts you and somebody does something wrong to you, it's their problem and not yours. And as much as it did hurt, and I'm, I don't deny the pain, don't make believe it doesn't hurt, but understand that it, you know it's sad that that person's doing this to me. I'm going to move on. And, and when a person could do that and they they learn to disconnect from somebody else's problem instead of eating themselves up about it and harping on it, and they're ready to focus on the present and on the future and not look back at what just happened, especially if not if it was a while back and even not going forward, and you process that in your mind consciously, not just, I hope I'll forget. No, I know what happened. And that person has problems. And if they're going to get help or not, I don't know, but I'm moving on in life and I'm not going there. You know, that's definitely something that's um, also, it's, it's a helpful attitude. And another thing, don't, don't think that you're doomed. Sometimes people, sometimes children grow up in homes like, like that, they talk about it all their life. I, I don't know if it's only because they want to feel justified or validated that you know I'm allowed to be an idiot because I because I was hurt when I was a kid, which sometimes is what people keep on using these kind of statements for. But sometimes I think people just feel like you know if I grow up in this house then I'm damaged. I'm damaged goods. How could I compete with my spouse or my cousin who grew up in a healthy home? And they look at themselves like I'm damaged goods because of what I went through. It's not true. I, I'm not saying it's not, it's not hard. I'm not saying it doesn't leave, leave, a, leave a, a mark and doesn't have its after effects. But if you pick yourself up and you do the right thing 
and you process whatever it was that you went through, but you're ready to move on, and you're ready to take responsibility over yourself, and you're ready to try as hard as it, as hard as it takes to do the right thing and to build your relationships and your future the right way, I don't think you're doomed at all. And I've seen very many people who were able to pick up and, and, and move on and, and had a lot to show for it. So that's, that's something to think about. And like I said, you know, part of getting past these uh, difficulties might be to reach out to someone who could help you. I don't know if you could do it on your own. I'm just giving ideas, but it starts with, with wanting to get past it and not being part of it anymore. Okay. Now, there's another part that I'll mention. That's the part about addressing your parents. So let me start with this. A lot of times, I've seen this even with teenagers, or even with, even with little kids who say later how they were feeling. When they were, when they were young, they weren't able to process that. A lot of times, children feel very responsible for their parents' own bias. Little kids might think that they're guilty and the reason why their parents are fighting is because of them. Um, as they get older, maybe they don't feel as guilty, but they still feel like they should be doing something about it. And the older you get, sometimes the more responsible you feel like, now I really understand it. I'm more capable. Why shouldn't I be helping my parents? And it turns sometimes into this unhealthy codependency kind of thing where I'm responsible for their happiness. I'm responsible for their success. And that, that's not good. That's not, a good. that's not a good way of seeing it. You're not responsible. And the reason why I'm saying it is not because I want you to feel apathetic and not to care and absolved of any achrayas. Of course, and, and you, know, you want to take care of the people around you. It's not a question that you have responsibility to every yid. Right? I can call Yisrael, especially Shair Besurai, Sarkhal Tasalam. I mean to say that you want to do what you could do. But whatever you can do, you can do. It's not your responsibility. You take responsibility for your own actions. It's hard to take responsibility for someone else's actions. So if you're going to walk around feeling responsible for your parents' shulun bias, or for their relationship, or even for your siblings, where, where you can't do something about it, that's not a good feeling, it's not going to help you. There's no way you down, make you feel more negative, and more resentful to the people who you're watching um, doing things that they shouldn't do. With extreme sensitivity, you want to proceed with caution. Now, it would, be, it would be wonderful if I can come up with a magic statement or a magic formula that you could present to your parents, and they'll take it, and they'll hear it, and they'll be thankful to you, and they'll live happily ever after. There's no such thing. Very often, people that aren't getting along for many years, as you're saying, um, they won't take what you're saying either. If your father can't take what your mother's saying, and your mother can't take what your father's saying, chances are, I don't know, that they, neither of them will take what you're saying either. So you have to, you have to be ready for that. Now, you, so that's one thing. You want to inch forward and proceed with caution. You want to try to say something and see if it goes well. If not, then you back off. Just like when you inch forward uh, past the stop sign. You, you, don't, you don't go at once. and You, don't, you have to be careful. If you're going to start saying the smallest subtle message about their relationship and they'll get offended, then, then stop right there. You might not be the right person for it. Now, when you do try to inch forward, you, have, you want to be very, very cautious and very, very sensitive about your message. If you start with your message with anything other than understanding them and respecting them and feeling appreciation towards them, then chances are they'll feel very challenged by what you're saying. If you start off by how much you appreciate them and how much you look up to them and how much your understanding of their situation and how much you understand that with a, you know, with a lot of children and a lot of different stresses in life and, and them taking all the responsibility over the years and that's why they're probably so stressed out and that you gained so much from the fact that they took so much responsibility and after all that, you, you, know, you do see that there's a certain amount of stress and, and, and um, um, tension at home and maybe there's something that can be done about it and, and sometimes you could even mention that it probably wasn't their fault but a lot of times you remember feeling, you know, be vulnerable, talk about how you felt if they could handle it. A lot of times you remember feeling very afraid about things that were going on at home. And that, and that you know, maybe for the kids at home it's also a little, a little scary. But again, with all the understanding and all the gentleness about how they don't mean it and it's not their fault, 
and they really do love each other, and you're not worried for them, and you're not smarter than them, and whatever you have is only because of them, and all that. If you inch forward with extreme sensitivity, and your message is a very, very gentle message, you might get across the fact that maybe something should be done. What should be done? Chances are you just want to refer them to somebody who could help them. Don't try to be the therapist. I've seen, I've seen adult children, married children, try to make that mistake with their parents, trying to be the therapist, mix into the Shonbais. It doesn't go anywhere. You get caught in the middle, and the, the dynamics of that relationship, parent-child, just gets messed up, and somewhere along the way you just, you just get pulled into whatever it was, and, and, and you become uh, you know, the monkey in the middle. So don't do that. But if you could inch forward in a sensitive way to bring to their attention that, that maybe it's in their best interest to do something about it, or even just that they should subconsciously start realizing that, hey, you know, our parents, are, our children are old enough to realize it's not okay. Maybe it's time to do something about it. You might be helping them very much. And you might be helping your siblings very much. Now, let me go to the next part, which was about the supporting each other, the siblings that are married and the ones that aren't married. I mean, it's wonderful. First of all, it's wonderful. It's wonderful when sisters or brothers and sisters um, get along and they're willing to help each other and support each other. They've, they've been through challenges together. They understand each other. They're there for each other. It's wonderful, and it's sad when, when that isn't there. Um, one thing that I, I do want to mention is that sometimes it becomes a support group of, unintentionally, a support group of gossip, a support group of negativity, a support group of, you know, who could come up with the worst memories that we have of growing up in Tati Mami's house, who can grow up, um, who, could, who could present the biggest case of victimhood between all the siblings and how it's traumatizing them and their children and, and everything like that. And, and it's just a group of, victims that are making each other feel good by understanding each other and justifying whatever 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 negativity rubbed off. And again, I have no reason to assume that's what you're doing. So I'm saying this for another reason, either because it, it might be the case, and I'm just making sure it's not, and because I have seen, you mentioned support groups, I have seen support groups, I'm not going to mention anything more, than, more specific than that, I've seen support groups of people who get together and instead of supporting each other through a challenge, Helping each other become stronger, encouraging each other, making each other you know, better people dealing with difficult situations, they basically come together to vent, which is sometimes okay. They basically come together to justify each other and understand, you know, you understand me because we're through this together, right? So you know how much I'm struggling, right? So you know that I'm not at fault for the fact that I yesterday did this and this because that's what happens when you go through this, right? And, and basically just making things worse. Now, I'm not going to say that they don't deserve to be understood. I'm not going to say that maybe they, should, they deserve to have other people do it, and they didn't. But it's sad to see when a support group becomes a, 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 a victim's anonymous thing where we all get together and say, we're all such victims, right? And everyone shakes their head and everyone goes away feeling good about the fact that you know, I was understood. If you're not being helped by it, then sometimes it's actually causing damage. And sometimes you go home feeling more justified in whatever you're dealing with because you know, they understood me. You don't get it, but my friends understand me. I'm just mentioning that. So if a few sisters get together and they start talking about things that they went through together, and they keep on bringing up the negativity, forget about the bad-mouthing parents, which is never good, but they keep on being part of it and, and, and reliving it and rehashing it, it's not helpful. It's not helpful. It, it's not helping anyone. And it just, it just keeps on going. If you could avoid the negativity, and you could avoid harping on the past, which maybe you're doing. Again, I don't want anyone to be offended by what I'm saying now. But you could... Um, get close to each other, understand what each other need, understand what, what each other are missing from when you were younger, understand that you might not have the, the support of your parents, and, and every married couple needs that, and you're giving it to each other. If you could understand the fact that we didn't grow up in the healthiest environment, so we might not know how to treat our spouse, for example, um, so let's, let's give chizik to each other about how to be the best spouse possible. 
And that's what the support is. The support is giving each other the good feeling that we need and the, and the knowledge and the tools to be better people, which will help us overcome whatever challenges we may have grown up with, by all means. But if the support is just that we're all suffering souls and we all need each other because we went through so much and 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 look now I was sitting there going through so much going through so much going through so much that's not helpful. It might feel good and sometimes, sometimes it is good when it's necessary you know, just to vent a little and have someone understand you. I'm not saying that not. But in the long term that's not, that's not a helpful um, support. So that's something that you want to think about. And when it comes to younger siblings um, older siblings who understand what's going on and are available, and intelligent, and compassionate, supportive, could definitely reach out to younger siblings, both to have them feel good and connected, um, not to talk about all the bad stuff going on at home, not to talk to them ideas and things that they can't understand yet because they're too young, and start opening their eyes and don't think it's okay, and it's not like that in every home, and you'll get older, you'll see. You have to be very careful how you talk to a younger child. You don't want to take away the whole respect and the whole the whole base that they have at home as as problematic as it might be, there's still a certain amount of respect and a certain amount of comfort that they have one day when they see their parents. And you don't want to take, take that away and, and destroy it. But you don't want to be there for them. And they need someone to talk to and then slowly you start getting more connected and you feel like they're, they're feeling better about themselves because they have you and understand you and they open up to you and, and you hear them and you listen to them and you make them feel good and you're careful how you do that, that's fine. Again, you might not be a therapist. I don't know if you should be doing it too much. Maybe you can refer them to someone. Maybe you can have a teacher. Maybe you can call someone to school to just keep an eye out for my little sister and listen to her and make her feel good. So there are things you could do and there are things you should do. But be careful how you do it. Sometimes people do this and it becomes the kids against the parents and, and it just... I, I've seen this, that's why I'm mentioning it, that it, it just makes things worse. So to get yourself past difficulties, that's the best thing in the world. To address your parents, try to help them, that's wonderful, you're not responsible, you could try. You could try, in a very gentle way. To be there for each other, and to help each other, and do it in a healthy way where everyone just feels encouraged and supported and, 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 and pumped with good emotion, that's, that's wonderful. And the last thing that I want to mention is that you've been through this, learn from it. Learn from it. Like I said before, some people unfortunately just justify whatever they're doing wrong because that's what I grew up with. I, I was talking to this guy, and sad because he had to get divorced, but moments um, before his marriage dissolved and people were trying to open his eyes and telling him, you know, you're not doing things right. It's not how you treat a wife. It's not how you this, not how you that. And you know what he told me a few times? I was shocked to hear it. That's what, that's what my father did. Instead of saying, that's what my father did, I know how crazy it is. And he used to badmouth his father. See, he knew that his father wasn't right about it. But when he was doing something wrong, he's like, yeah, but that's what my father did. As if it's okay. It's not okay. Now, he didn't mean that it was okay. He meant to say that, no, that's what I grew up with. So, you know, it's fine. It's not okay. So instead of saying, I grew up with it and that, and that, and basically answers why I'm doing it, you grew up with it, make sure never to do it. Never. If somebody else does it, they didn't see the, the after effects, but you did, you, didn't, you saw the damage. And I'll add just one more interesting thing that was in preparation for this year. So I was looking over this email, and obviously without a name, I forwarded it, just the, the lines that I read in public, to a friend of mine, a rough, a smart person. I wanted to hear his take on it. And it was beautiful to hear, him, to hear his response. He writes back to me, I, I don't know what to say. I never saw my parents argue. The one time we children saw them disagree, we thought they were getting divorced. That's how, that's how um, out of the ordinary it was. So to hear someone grow up like that is, is beautiful. And the reason why I'm mentioning it is not so, you, not so you should be jealous of such a person, is that you should realize that that's what you want to give your children. If you saw the damage and the negativity that happens when, when parents don't know how to respect each other, the first thing you should do before healing and before supporting anyone and before helping your parents' situation is come to that real conviction 
That's not easy. It's not easy. It doesn't just go by because I, I decided. The conviction, I'm never, ever going to raise my, my voice at my spouse. I'm never going to quarrel, disagree, and get into these debates in front of my children, ever. I don't want my children to ever see that. Something's bothering me, I'll, I'll think about it, I'll come up with a respectful way to say it, I'll, respectful at the right time to say it, the right place to say it. I want my children to be able to say, I never saw my, my parents not get along. And if you could do that, that's, that's, that's wonderful. So, when it comes to looking back at your parents, you know, I, I, I don't think they're... I don't think they're bad. I don't think they're at fault. I think they're limited. I call it limited. For whatever reason, I don't think they meant anything bad. Parents, I've never seen parents that intentionally try to hurt their children or damage them or try to do anything that they shouldn't. Um, so you want to understand them and you want to move on and you want to pity them you want to help them. When it comes to you, you definitely don't want to rely on your limitations. You don't want to justify anything you're doing wrong. You want to do the right thing. You want to build your marriage. You want to live together.